one of the many challenges is how do you get that voice out there and discovered? Because when you create a podcast, you, Keith Carlson, creates a, a podcast, it gets buried among, I just saw a statistic today, 5.2 million other brands of podcasts. So when someone searches for your high quality, evidence-based, human-centered content, how do they find it when Apple is trying to index for Mariah Carey or Meghan Markle? What's the latest news from the world of healthcare-related podcasts and their unprecedented and wide-ranging impact? Let's talk all about it with Dan Kendall, the CEO and founder of the Health Podcast Network and Health Unmuted, right here in episode 389 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello there. This is Nurse Keith. This podcast is all about you, your personal professional development, your career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, lots of ideas, lots of diatribes and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people out there in the world. I love having you along for the ride. And I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, you can always leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or anywhere else you can possibly find it. And please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com. That really helps support the show. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And I appreciate you all so, so very much. Please head over to nursekeith.com to the podcast drop-down menu for the show notes for this episode, or you're probably listening on your favorite app on your phone anyway. And we are joined here today. It's a very, very exciting episode with Dan Kendall. He's the CEO and founder of the Health Podcast Network, of which I've been a member for quite some time. And I'm very honored and privileged to be a member. And Dan, what is the the overarching zeitgeist of healthcare-related podcasts right now? What's going on out there? Keith, thanks so much for having me on your program. I've been a fan of yours for many years since before you even joined Health Podcast Network, before we ever connected voice to voice. I've heard your voice uh, for many years as you've oh been gosh. creating your your content um, and you're a real pioneer in this space. And I think that when you, you ask about what's happening with podcasts, I think your um, the, the, the path that you've laid in the very early stages of getting involved with blogs and technology and more recently podcasts uh, really has has demonstrated that you are on the right path because particularly over the last four years or so, we've seen just a tremendous amount of interest in podcasts in the, the society at large. Uh, so we've seen Kim Kardashian and Mariah Carey and Meghan Markle and a bunch of other people get on uh, this platform. And you know, healthcare can often follow these sorts of uh, uh, technologies in the the broader space. So, I think that when we look at what's happening with podcasts in healthcare specifically, um, there's just a tremendous uh, opportunity to connect with people where they're putting their attention. So, as we see podcasts gain popularity in society at large, we see that healthcare leaders, healthcare influencers, if you will can uh, can capitalize on the attention that people are already giving to their podcast apps, to their smartphones, uh, to the listening experience, and use that attention to give people good information that will help them either take care of their patients better, 
advance their careers and their practice better in, as a healthcare professional, or even care for themselves or someone they care about more effectively to hopefully have longer, happier, healthier lives? Well, thanks for your kind words about my work. I appreciate it. And, you know, back in 2012, when I launched our first show, RNFM Radio, you know, we were, we quickly became evangelists for podcasts, especially in the healthcare and the the nurse entrepreneur space. And everyone was like, they didn't know what we were talking about. They thought we were kind of crazy because they were saying, you know, video is king. And what my partner, Kevin Ross, and I kept saying to people, especially the nurse entrepreneurs we were hanging out with, we were saying, look, you know, you can't watch videos while you drive. You can't watch videos while you're jogging. You can't watch them while you're, well, you better not watch them while you're driving, you know, and, and people can take a podcast with them while they're, you know, folding laundry and while they're at the store, you know, and people kept saying, but you know, video, everyone loves video. And we're like, well, audio has a place, like it has a place, you know, and, and we just, we kept driving that point home for years. You know, we felt like we were banging our heads against a particular wall and our foreheads got pretty bloodied, but in the end, our foreheads healed and we realized that <laughs> we were on the right track, like you said. And so what is it about the human voice that really captures people's imaginations and why does it create such an intimacy between the broadcaster and the listener? I think I think you just answered the the question yourself in the in the question. It's the intimacy that's formed. It's the connection. I mean, just think about our our uh, entire human race. We've connected through stories, through mm-hmm. people passing along when to harvest, when to migrate, how to uh, heal bodies, how to learn, you know, how to avoid predators, uh, how to build shelters, and we've done that through stories. We've worshipped gods. We've uh, we followed the seasons and made up stories about the stars in the sky. Um, passing along traditions, learning how to survive and having that connection. Our body is programmed to do this. And even if you look at the much more modern history, I have a slide in one of the decks that I use uh, in, in talking with different people about the use of podcasting. Yes, video has a place and we're recording this using video and we all you know, see the, the increase in Disney Plus and Netflix and YouTube and all these different things that have a video component. But we've been using sound as a way to connect for a hundred years, you know, since the early stages of of radio, um, and it's been a really powerful influence in being able to connect. and And there's a lot that you can tell through a person's voice, the way they speak, how they speak, the the resonance, the tone, the inflections, the connection, the as you said, it, intimacy that gets created between those two people. And I just think that, as you pointed out voice you can access while you're doing other things. It, it feels like you're able to do that while you're uh, in other lifelong experiences. You're cooking with a podcast. You're driving with a podcast, just like you would do with a partner or family member or child. Uh, you're having those experiences in sort of intimate moments that you are sharing that you're now inviting this voice in, whether it was Paul Harvey back in the day on, on AM radio or Nurse Keith on the podcast that's available today, you're listening to that while you're doing other things that, that does help to, to foster that connection, that, that, uh, intimacy. Yeah. And that, that's very true. 
And I've always said, you know, it's, it's about getting between people's ears. You know, it's an intimate space. You're in their brain, basically. And this growth of podcasts, we've just explained, you know, people enjoy story and they enjoy the intimacy of people's voices. Now, when we talk about healthcare and medicine and that whole, you know, healthcare entrepreneurship and tech and all the stuff. And if we look at the Health Podcast Network, it reflects the breadth and depth of the podcasts that can be created all around health and medicine and healthcare. I mean, you have a lot of shows there now. So what do you see as the, the deeper currents running in terms of the impact that we can have on the world when we're broadcasting about these issues? Well, I think if you just take a look at the podcast industry, you know, you've been doing it much longer than I even started. I started in 2016. So you started using voice as a way to connect much earlier than that. But in 2016, 17, 18, Apple was really the only player. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we've seen Google Podcasts. We've seen Spotify, Amazon Music. We've seen these big companies take a space. So people who have said to me at the very beginning, hey, but what happens when podcasts begin to fade out? Well, look at what happened uh, to YouTube since it started in 2004. It's just continued to grow. People are uploading and consuming more video than ever before. And the hockey stick has been more delayed with podcasts, but we're very much on that trajectory where this is going and big companies are putting more resources into it because they know, as you say, it's something that you can do when your attention is being split between other things. Mm -hmm. Um, Remind me of the question though, Keith, (laughs) I want to come back to the question. Well, I'm really talking about, you know, that that the deeper currents of impact that we can have with healthcare and health and medical related podcasts. You know, what what do you think we can accomplish and what are you doing to to contribute to that? So I think that when we look at what's happening with the mainstream media, if people like you and other people of your other peers of yours don't share your voice, that airtime is going to be taken up by misinformation. And we see that already, right? Big names mm-hmm. talking about things about which they have very little knowledge or understanding and feeding into misinformation and poor decision-making by listeners and fans of those of those broadcasters. So I think it's really important that those who do have medical experience, a, a deep evidence-based human-centered approach to health and healthcare, that they do take time to share that. The challenge is, uh, one one of the many challenges is, how do you get that voice out there and discovered? Because when you create a podcast, you, you, Keith Carlson, creates a a podcast, it gets buried among, I just saw a statistic today, 5.2 million other brands of podcasts. Mm -hmm. So when someone searches for your high high quality, evidence-based, human-centered content, how do they find it when Apple is trying to index for Mariah Carey or Meghan Markle um, or, or Gwyneth Paltrow or Dr. Oz? And, and you're likely going to be pushed down by their algorithms. And of course, Spotify has a different algorithm and, and Google has a different algorithm. So what we really need to do is try to find ways that we can help uh, magnify the voice, create a bigger stage. And that's really what I was trying to do when I started Health Podcast Network. I had the idea for it back in 2018, uh, launched the beta of it in 2019 and launched it openly, uh, which which is when you and I connected in early 2020, right before the pandemic. I think we launched with the six shows on the network. And really the the goal was to try to curate a, a group of high quality, 
evidence-based human-centered content that is invited to be on, which we can then help to uh, uh, index and collate all these different voices and leaders that can share information to help push healthcare forward. And what's really been interesting to see, number one, we're now about 90 podcasts, even more by the time this airs, uh, 13,000 episodes, 90 different shows that have all been invited to be a part of this. Um, We're also, one of the things that I'm hearing from listeners and fans of Health Podcast Network and the shows that are members of it is that, hey, you know, we enjoy consuming this because we're health professionals. And thanks very much for creating this resource where we can find other things where we can spend our time. If Keith only publishes on Fridays, what do I do the other four days of the week? Hmm. Um, So where can I find other good things that are going to help me push my practice and my expertise uh, forward? So that's part of what Health Podcast Network does. But then they have also asked the same question that I asked when I was a patient and a parent of uh, a child with type 1 diabetes, which is what information can we pass along to our patients? Like this is great for me if I'm a if I'm a healthcare professional, but my patients need advice and they're doing the same thing that we're doing. We're Googling, we're asking Apple, and Joe Rogan and somebody else, Dr. Oz and Gwyneth Paltrow might come up, you know, more highly in their results than the other sort of thing. So we're we're trying to create Health Podcast Network as a resource where we can also have the the patient to patient, peer to peer. Um, voice where people can access that information to be able to take care of themselves or their loved one with more knowledge. Yeah. And that comes down to Health Unmuted, which is this new initiative, I guess, under the the larger umbrella of the Health Podcast Network. And just to reflect for a second, that when you invited me to join Health Podcast Network a couple of years ago, you're right. It was the height of the, the beginning of the pandemic. It was 2020. You had half a dozen shows. I think I was the second nursing show to come on. I think Amplify Nursing might have been the first one from UPenn with Marion Leary, who's amazing. She's been on my show. I've been on hers. And now you have over 90 shows. Mm-hmm. And what did you say? 13,000 episodes? 13,000 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to contribute to and that. And growing. Yeah. So Health Unmuted is is the kind of consumer-oriented track rather than geared more towards the healthcare professional. So you said your daughter has type 1 diabetes, so that led you to think, okay, so where can I find reliable audio that's about this particular condition or other conditions? So what's the premise of Health Unmuted and what is it starting to look like as it you know, comes out into the world? Well, I mentioned that I've been podcasting since 2016. I have two wonderful daughters. When my oldest daughter uh, was 11, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And um, I've worked in healthcare for many, many years. I was able to notice the symptoms of it, which led to our diagnosis before anything catastrophic had happened. But uh, And we've received wonderful care from the health system. The, the team was absolutely brilliant. And she was kept in the hospital for a few days. They sent us home with a big bag of of uh, documents and references for support groups and uh, toll-free numbers and apps that we should use and books and a teddy bear and material from JDRF and all this great information. And I took it home and I read all of it and I went through everything. And I spent time on the websites, Googling and reading the top five results that were coming up with WebMD and JDRF and other websites and reading as much as I could. And then being in the podcast industry, I then thought, okay, I need to go make dinner. I need to go uh, run to the school. I need to run to the store. I need to do something else. 
what podcasts can I get? And the two pot, two types of podcasts that I found for the, the challenge that I was looking at at the time with type one diabetes was things like the ADA, which are great, you know, the American Diabetes Association, fantastic organization, great material, but they say, hey, you know, here we're going to present in this podcast what we presented at our annual meeting. And um, you know, they go through studies and they talk about that. That doesn't help me get my child home from the hospital. It doesn't mm-hmm. help me get her back to school. It doesn't help me answer the questions about what to do when she needs to go swimming or a birthday party. And the other kind of podcasts, uh, you know, great podcasts by, you know, there's one in particular that I've still listened to regularly by Stacey Sims called Diabetes Connections. And she has a child with type one diabetes. He was diagnosed when he was two. And, and Stacy has hundreds. She just did her 500th episode. So mm. when you're newly diagnosed, you're not ready to jump into episode 387 about somebody climbing Kilimanjaro with type 1 diabetes. You're not worried about getting to the top of the mountain. You just want to get back to school and back to mm-hmm. you know, being able to sleep through the night as much as you can. So I realized that there was an opportunity to, to try to solve those immediate questions. Because when there was no podcast, I went to my healthcare team and I said, hey, what podcast do you recommend? And they said, gosh, we don't have any that we'd suggest. And I thought, well, that's a problem. Because it's a pod, huge podcast. I mean, you, you turn to your healthcare team for this and they gave us many other great resources, even videos that we could watch about making injections and you know uh, carb counting and all these things, but nothing with podcasts. So um, fortunately, when, when we were going through this at the early stages, I had about a dozen strangers to me, friends of friends that spent time with me on the phone. And I literally lost count at about a dozen. And, and I realized that all those great conversations that helped me understand the real aspects of parenting a child with type one, um, those conversations were wonderfully helpful. And I'm eternally grateful for them welcoming me into the diabetes community like that. But those conversations were all gone. And I thought, mm. what would happen if we had recorded those sorts of conversations and shared them out on one to many? Now I'm actually in the position now, several years later, where I'm receiving the phone calls to say, hey, my friend's daughter was diagnosed. My friend's uh, uh, husband was diagnosed. Will you talk to them about what's happening? Um, and I'm, I'm pleased to be a resource, but I also realized that they might, you know, we might be able to set up a call for 7.30 at night and have a conversation, but wouldn't it also be wonderful if there was a way that they could begin to listen to other people's stories and share that? So really the premise of Health Unmuted is to take the, the peer-to-peer stories and consolidate those into five, six, maybe 10 episodes of the things that people need to have answered when they're newly diagnosed or when someone they care about have, has been diagnosed to help accelerate their understanding not from just people with white coats and white shoes, but really to understand from people you know that have walked that path already and have navigated it to to their level of success, and they can pass along that knowledge to other people who are just beginning their steps. That's that's great, and so I know that you're beginning with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, actually, right? That was was that the first show being launched under. Health Actually, the, the first one was COPD, COPD. with the COPD Foundation. I, I know this will shock you to hear, Keith, but surprisingly, the, the healthcare system uh, sometimes can be slow to move and embrace new ideas. What? I know that's probably a shock to all the listeners Wait, on I this. I got to wipe my eyes and hit, <laughs> just go like, what? Yeah, I've worked here. I've worked in this industry for 30 years. I've seen it. I experienced it. And then I suddenly realized, why am I expecting anything different? I've lived this for so many uh, years. Why would I expect the healthcare industry to understand the power of podcasts before they have a chance to hear it. So uh, in 2021, we worked with COPD Foundation to create the first 
uh, series of Health Unmuted, which was around COPD, five episodes. Um, and uh, that, and the hypothesis was, if we launch this, will people continue to access it? And I'm really pleased to say that here almost a year on, the numbers continue to go in the right direction. It's not like a traditional podcast like you and I would do elsewhere, where we see the peak downloads in the first 48 hours, and then it begins to taper off. It still gets downloaded every week, every, you know, mm-hmm. for a, you know, for forever, really. But um, you know, the the curve continues to grow, and the the idea was okay. If COPD is sort of like one book on the library shelf, what would happen if we had more books that people had more reason to go in there and look at the shelf and see what is here? So we've identified over 50 different conditions that we want to work through and create these stories. And we started with COPD. Uh, we then got a wonderful sponsor named Altoida, who uh, said, we, we're going to support you with the next two. Uh, the first one was Alzheimer's. Now, it's mm-hmm. it's very arm's length. They have no influence at all on any of the content. Um, but they said, you know, this is aligned with our mission as an organization, their early stage business. And they said, we want to just make sure that people with these neuro, uh, neurological conditions can be diagnosed uh, early. And the, the, the better we can do that, the better educated the patient is. Uh, the better off everyone is. So I'm really thankful for them to sort of be the first ones to say, we're going to vote with our pocketbook here uh, and our wallet, and we're going to put some money in to support the creation of that. So we then launched Alzheimer's in uh, June, and those numbers are also week on week going in the the upward direction. We haven't launched a new episode since June, Hmm. um, but we we had uh, five, now six episodes, sorry, six episodes of of Alzheimer's, and those numbers are continuing to climb. And now in September, when this show is airing, we expect those numbers to continue to climb even more because September is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. So we're going to do a lot of promotion around the Alzheimer's podcast. And now also by the time this episode airs with you, Keith, we will have launched the Parkinson's podcast. So that's seven episodes taking people through what is Parkinson's uh, what are the symptoms? How is it diagnosed? What are the lifestyle changes? What are the different therapies, the speech therapies and the phys- uh, physiotherapy uh, therapies that, that can be done uh, to help people deal with these conditions? And also medicines, medications. Um, you know, what, what are the, the terms that are being used? How do you measure on and off time? And all those questions that people have so they can navigate um, their 15 minutes with their healthcare professional with the, the most knowledge that they possibly can accrue early in their diagnosis. That's great. So COPD, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and you've identified 50 conditions that you want to do this for. And it'll be like, a, like an encyclopedia. You know, there'll be 50 different volumes, but you can carry them all on your phone, which is pretty cool. And you don't even have to download them if you don't want to. You can stream them, but most people will download them. And I think that's it's a brilliant model. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about Health Unmuted some more and the Health Podcast Network. I want to talk about what a network truly is, because people may not really grasp right away like what is a podcast network like is is it like cbs and abc you know they might want to understand that and then i want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and how it fits in with that and then some other things that we want to bandy about does that sound okay that sounds great all right so hang in there with us we're going to be right back for the second half of episode 389 of the nurse keith show with dan kendall the ceo and founder of the health podcast network and health unmuted we will be right back
and welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with friend of the pod and my good friend and colleague, Dan Kendall, the CEO and the founder of the Health Podcast Network and Health Unmuted. And Dan, before the break, we were talking about all sorts of things, the intimacy of being between people's ears and reaching them with really high quality, awesome audio. We talked about the growth of the Health Podcast Network from the original six shows to now 90 and over 13,000 episodes and how I'm privileged to be part of those numbers. And then we're talking about Health Unmuted and your whole idea of creating this like audio encyclopedia that eventually will encompass 50 or more different conditions and disease states that people will want to learn about. And I really like the idea of um, limited series podcast because you were mentioning the woman who you follow who does a podcast about diabetes and she just had her 500th episode. I'm at 389, but I'm actually well over 400 because of all the bonus episodes I've done over the years. So yeah, it's great to jump in wherever the podcaster happens to be. But with something with like diabetes, the average consumer wants to start at the beginning, right? They don't want to start on Kilimanjaro, like you said. So this limited edition podcast series idea isn't new. I've heard fiction ones, especially, and a lot of other different things. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like that is what's most attractive to healthcare consumers? Because they can kind of get grounded in the basics of a disease and then they can move on and then they can dig deeper and climb Kilimanjaro if they want to. Yeah. And I think that's part of the the uh, fascination that I have about uh, this this series that we're creating, I describe it. And I don't know if I'm violating any trademarks here, but I describe it succinctly as WebMD for your ears. Mm-hmm. WebMD sends out newsletters. You go in and you look at their website. You can find out the top ten slides around uh, heart health or whatever it might be, or healthy living, or or diets, or skin conditions, or uh, bugs to avoid, and things like that. And I look at this as a collection, a library, audio library of different things, different topics, and they're, they're going to cover everything from, as I said, the symptoms and diagnosis, as well as the lifestyle changes and medications, treatments, surgeries, even, uh, and mental health aspects of these things. Now, here's what really, as I talk about this with healthcare professionals, here's what things really be- begin to get crazy and, and exciting is that, you know, I was speaking with someone who uh, runs a, a clinical research site. And he said, you know what, if you can get this information on Alzheimer's into people's ears sooner in their diagnosis, because, you know, we're beginning to diagnose Alzheimer's earlier and earlier, then they're going to be able to get involved with clinical trials before they necessarily have chosen a, a treatment path or before their condition has progressed to the point where they're not able to, to consent to participating in these clinical trials. So there's other implications about being able to educate people. I listened on your episode 384 with Dr. David Wilcox. And he was talking about the limitation of the healthcare professional in that eight to 15 minute interaction for the healthcare professional's understanding of the patient. Well, what about the patient's understanding of their condition? 
that's a very limited space. And as I mentioned with my daughter's diagnosis, when I went to the health team on one of the subsequent appointments and said, hey, where can I learn more about this? I read everything you gave me. I've been on all these websites. I've joined the groups. I've, I'm running the 5K for JDRF. I'm on the Facebook uh, the Facebook page. I'm, I'm at the parent meetings. What else can I do? And they said, we don't have any podcasts for you. This is the sort of thing that professionals, my goal is to have healthcare professionals really sharing this information. And just like I've got one here, actually, I was just at the pharmacy the other day picking up a prescription for my daughter. And just like we print all these brochures and we keep them at the pharmacy and we keep them in the doctor's office. I was overseeing a cardiologist friend of mine a few weeks ago, and he had a table in his waiting area filled with brochures and table tents and all sorts uh, and brochures you can take away about all different sorts of uh, health conditions. Well, why don't we have a bunch of QR codes there? that people can mm-hmm. just scan on their phone. Literally, when I was waiting at the the line at the pharmacy with this, uh, where I saw this brochure, I had my AirPods in. I was listening to a podcast. I could have easily just scanned the QR code and start to listen to this episode or this uh, information about influenza and not necessarily hear it from a pharmacist or a doctor, although those voices are also included in our, um, uh, our, our health immunity series but also hear from someone who was vaccine hesitant perhaps, or you know, who was concerned about their implication that it happened to their cousin or their heart condition and their, their vaccine. All this sort of information delivered by people who have gone before, it's like a trusted resource. And I think mm-hmm. that's what really begins to accelerate um, the access and also frankly, the, the equity of this, because you know, I, I spoke to someone the other day about prostate cancer, and he explained to me that prostate cancer is uh, uh, 1.5 times more likely to be diagnosed in African-American men and two times as much uh, as likely, they're two times as likely to die from it. Hmm. Well, how do we get information into, into the ears and, and, and in front of the eyes of the, the group of people and do it in a shareable way? I could print a prostate cancer brochure, but what's their level of literacy? What's their level of access? How are they going to find it? Are they going to want to walk around with it? Do they even know what a prostate is? Mm-hmm. Um, and and how do we then describe that in a very easy to understand conversational way and engaging way? Because Health Unmuted, we haven't said this already, it's, it's not an interview. It's an audio story. We have various mm-hmm. voices, uh, occupational therapists and nurses and pharmacists and other professionals, caregivers, people who are diagnosed at different stages. And we weave all those uh, stories together to create a very engaging audio soundscape, but still is educating the person while they're listening. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And you you mentioned earlier that you've worked in healthcare for a long time and you also, you're a patient like most of us are also patients and consumers and your daughter has her, her own journey. What about your, your professional journey? I know you've worked with pharmaceutical companies and technology and device companies. So where did that all come into play? And, you know, how did that form all of these opinions and, and feelings that you have about, you know, what can be done and what can be done better? So I studied engineering as a student uh, in Virginia, Virginia Tech, and uh, I was I, I was not a very good engineering student. It was uh, it didn't come very easily to me. I had to work harder than some of my peers to be able to to get through that that curriculum. Um, but what I did discover when I got out into the workforce was that um, I was very good at sitting between two groups of people. Some really talented 
clinicians and healthcare providers that that have a skill set and a knowledge base and an empathy and capability that I couldn't ever uh, journey or venture to to try to gain or replicate. Um, and also on the other side, really clever researchers, scientists, problem solvers who can do amazing things when they have a clearly defined problem or opportunity. And my skill set has been in translating but and, and identifying the problems that people have in healthcare and translating that back to a set of variables or objectives that the that very clever, very talented engineers, researchers, scientists, developers, and so forth can can create a, a solution for. And then part of my job has also been how to then take that solution, make sure that it's fit for perfect for purpose, that it's user friendly, that it can be used, that it can be used more than once if that's the the goal of the product. Uh, make sure that it's efficacious. Make sure that it can get through regulatory uh, pathways. If there are no regulatory pathways, which I've been involved in several things like that. How do we work to define the regulatory pathways and work in, in collaboration with the FDA to define uh, these, these uh, novel technologies and, and what's safe to be used with patients? Um, so that's been really my skill set. And through doing that for big companies, um, I you know, work with very clever engineers, uh, very clever entrepreneurs, uh, investors, and develop some of those skills. They, they sort of rubbed off on me. And then I started my own business in 2011. Uh, really developing um, uh, mobile phone apps. I, I was sort of at an early part of the curve for what is now called digital therapeutics. And uh, I was early on that and and not as successful as some of the other groups that are coming in. Um, but my journey as when I've worked with different pharmaceutical companies and med device companies um, has taken me to the point where I saw the opportunity to uh, share information through podcasts. And um, and now I've been very fortunate to form the company Mission-Based Media that's doing the work that we're talking about here with Health Podcast Network and Health Unmuted. Yeah. And so that translated directly into your understanding of you know how technology can be leveraged in various ways to the benefit of everyone who interacts with it. And I want to take a moment, like I said before the break, I want to pause and just say, you know, what is a podcast network because you know in the old days back when i was a kid you know the networks on tv were like abc and nbc and all that you know and then and then radio there were networks on on the radio so what does it mean when we have a podcast network what actually what is that truly it is a a group of like-minded organizations or leaders that are working um, to to make a difference. And for us, the, for the, the opportunity occurred to me when we were actually producing podcasts for other people. And again, the, the understanding the problem, one of the problems that we identified as we were producing podcasts for other organizations was they said, gosh, we're going to start this podcast. We're going to invest this money and time in creating this that we hope it will serve people and reach people. But we're going to start with zero listeners. This isn't like building a LinkedIn page or starting a Twitter account, we're going to start with zero. And I thought, well, actually, we can solve for that. We can actually find a place where we can, a little place in the web where we can put these sort of like-minded pieces of content that not just that we're creating, but that other people are creating that are also dealing with the same thing. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a little place on the web where we could have like a, a network of health podcasts and uh, I bought the domain name Health Podcast Network, and um, and and we we started that in 2018. 
Um, and really what we try to do is we try to, to number one, we try to help the, the podcaster themselves because we know we can serve listeners better if we serve podcasters uh, in a way that will help them be more effective in their jobs. It's sort of like I was listening to an interview with the founder of Airbnb and, and he, he gave an interesting uh, analogy, which was uh, that I thought uh, was similar to what I try to do with Health Podcast Network. He was saying that his real goal for Airbnb was to serve the traveler. And he wanted to try to find a great experience for the travelers that wanted to go in different places. And it took him a while, but he finally realized that the way he could serve the traveler best was not by focusing on the traveler in this particular instance. It was by focusing on the hosts that were providing the services to the traveler. And when he could make the hosts better, he was able to therefore have the impact that he wanted on the, the traveler. And I thought that's what we're trying to do with the network. We want to make, we, we can't make every podcast. We don't want to make every podcast. We actually make very few podcasts for other people. Really, the differentiation of what we want to do is support the podcasters to be and to have access to the best tools, the best knowledge to, to each other as a, a group of um, uh, supportive uh, community members that want to see this information get created. And then by doing that, we will ultimately be able to serve our bigger goal, which is serving the listeners of that content. Mm -hmm. And so the network doesn't exist. Like there's not a place on Apple podcasts where I go and find the health podcast network and then all the shows under it. There's, there's a health podcast network website, and then I can see all the shows, the latest episodes and all that. And there's, there isn't like a health podcast network app that I download to my phone. Right. So it's more, you're curating, you use that word in the first half, mm -hmm. you're curating content and curating podcasts and supporting everyone. And then the website is sort of that central funnel where people can go if they want to see everything at once, right? Yep. That's correct. We don't have an app. Remember I said that I started my first, well, not my first business, but I started the sort of this iteration of my professional journey in 2011. And, and I started working on mobile phone apps. This was soon after Apple had opened up the app store for developers. Hmm. And I saw the opportunity to develop that for healthcare. Um, and so I understand developing apps. Um, I understand the complexities of it. Now there's a lot more, um, the, you know, a lot more devices across Apple and Android that need to be accommodated. So I understand the complexities, but I guess from our perspective, I don't want to keep people in an app. And Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple, they all want to keep you in their walled garden. They want you to access all of your listening inside Apple, whether it's podcasts or TV shows or uh, music. They want you to have everything inside the Apple ecosystem. Uh, same with Spotify, same with Google. So our goal isn't to try to keep people inside of a walled garden. We want people to find your content and mm -hmm. we want people to find content that matters to them and then give them the choice. Where do you listen to this? If your normal habit when you get in the car is to open up the Spotify app, then we want to make sure that you see Nurse Keith's most latest podcast next to the latest Taylor Swift uh, 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 download that's available so that when you're beginning your commute or your drive, you think, actually, I'm going to listen to Nurse Keith instead of the latest playlist about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Not um, to, not to cast aspersions on Taylor and she and I are like this, but you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like people to listen to my show for sure. <laughs> well, I, because you know, to, to that point, I mean, you may listen differently if someone else is in the car, right? I yeah. mean, if I got into the car and said, I'm going to listen to Nurse Keith and my kids were there and they said, actually, no, we're going to listen to Taylor Swift. So, mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that, that creators like yourself 
uh, can ha- provide a good listening experience wherever their listeners um, listen, mm-hmm. and then just really provide the listeners, whether they're veteran or rookie listeners to podcasts, we want to give them an opportunity to be able to say, well, I might be new to podcasts. Let me see what's what's out there, what is relevant to my interests, but also to veteran listeners who may have been listening to you or others for years to say, oh, I didn't realize that there was this level of other things, other creators, other voices that can fill up my other days of commutes or mm-hmm. exercise routines or whatever else we're doing. Or they can just listen to all 420 of mine and, you know, that'll take them you know, at least a couple <laughs> days. Um, so, yep. so Health Podcast Network is at healthpodcastnetwork.com and is Health Unmuted, does it have its own website or is it, it all going to be yeah. on Health Podcast Network? So, so it, it's uh, it's a separate website, healthunmuted.com, um, and we have the social media handles around Health Unmuted. That's in the process of being trademarked, and um, yeah, it's it's going to be its own website. But you will also see that on Health Podcast Network because again, it's really important to make sure that health professionals, who are the majority of our visitors uh, and and subscribers to our newsletter, um, it's important that they also see what's available, whether someone has a rare disease or uh, some sort of cancer or uh, some neurological condition or whatever it might be, diabetes, that they can see what else is available for, that they could recommend to their patients. Yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of the, the creators and the healthcare providers, so lots of people get in touch with me about wanting to start a podcast. And we all know, or you and I know, the people of us, those of us who work in the space, we know about pod fading. You know, someone gets super excited about podcasting. They put out 10 episodes right out of the gate or whatever, and then they disappear. Or maybe they post every six months after having posted every day or every every week. And People who come to me or who I recommend, hey, maybe you should consider a podcast. And sometimes that seed has to get planted a bunch of times and germinate for maybe several years. What do you say to someone who's, let's say, as a nurse entrepreneur or medical entrepreneur, someone who says, you know, there are so many podcasts, like you quoted the number earlier, right? There's so many podcasts and it's so hard to get noticed. Why should I even do it in the first place? And how will anyone ever hear what I have to say? Mm-hmm. What is your response? Um, so for me, podcasting for a lot of leaders and organizations, it's not a binary decision. It's not, do I have one or don't I have one? It's like, do I have a LinkedIn profile or do I have a website? They're basic parts of a connection branding, audio branding um, uh, campaign. And the comment I would have, whether you're a professional or an organization, is to think about the things that you really want people to know. What are the things that you wish people knew? If you're an organization, for example, I say, you know, think about it from a sales perspective. If If you were invited to a thousand hospitals to do a presentation, what do you wish all of them knew before you got there? Um, to help prepare them because you don't want to go out and see a, a hundred different hospitals and do presentations and then discover that actually they weren't ready to buy from you. They weren't ready to, to hear. They were not even a good uh, client or, or, um, uh, or profile for what it is that you're offering. So how do you then create something that's useful for a listener to help them understand your authenticity, your mission, your understanding of the problem of the solution and the, the people who have solved it successfully and therefore you've, you understand that and you can help facilitate that, that change. Um, from a professional perspective, um, 
yeah, I understand the whole uh, concept of pod fade. What I would suggest, and I, I suggest this to a lot of uh, individuals who are coaches and uh, you know uh, have different uh, therapy courses and things like that, is to say, look, think about six episodes that you can do just six, and you might never do seven through 14, but if you can just start with six and just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do six episodes. I'm going to start here and we're going to go through the six different things that I think are relevant for play therapy or whatever it might be that, that, that their audience is interested in and, and give people useful tips, explain, you know, maybe do some interviews, do some monologues, whatever it might be that can be included on your email signature. It can be highlighted in your LinkedIn profile. It can exist on your personal webpage. It can be embedded on there. And yeah, you might not get, and you likely will not get Joe Rogan-like numbers, and you might not achieve the level of success that you have with the number of years and, and focus that you've put into it. But it doesn't matter if you get 1,500, because if you get the right five, that could make a difference for what it is that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And and it isn't about the big numbers. It's about the the tribe that you're attracting, the the your people who can opt in. Because that way, when you know, when they do take the time to visit your site, schedule a demo, uh, ask for your time, that they've sort of opted in. They've connected with you. They understand what you're about. And now they've self-selected to say, I want to know more. And now I'm going to take some more time in real time to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And and I am encouraging a number of individuals to consider starting. And then some have come to me who've already started. And there's a few shows that are already launched that I want to introduce you to the the podcasters because I think they're good fits for the network. So there's a lot going on out there. And we all know in this space that sponsors are interested now. I've had sponsors, many of whom you've kind of uh, steered towards me, which I really appreciate and keep them coming down. Um, so, <laughs> you know, companies are interested, you know, they want to reach niche audiences So instead of like throwing a ton of spaghetti at the wall of Facebook ads or whatever, they can say, hey, I really want to reach professional nurses. And so I can reach them through Keith's show or another show. So they can be much more targeted and Mm -hmm. they can be really specific on who they want to work with. And I think that's really cool thing about podcast sponsorships. And yes, I listened to some larger shows and they're, you know, a lot of kind of annoying sponsors come on, things I don't really care about, like the local grocery store, because now they can do geo targeting. So I'll hear like mm-hmm. this blaring ad, you know, about this grocery store in Santa Fe, which I don't really want to hear. So some of us, like myself and many people on your network, we're a little more selective about who we have sponsor because I don't I don't want my mid-roll in the middle of an episode to all of a sudden be an ad from McDonald's or something. It doesn't fit at all. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing I like about podcasting is that I can be super selective about who I agree to work with. And I've turned some sponsors away when it wasn't quite right. And I know you have too, and you talk to them all the time. So this, this space is really growing and it's not going anywhere. YouTube hasn't gone anywhere. And I know that new things do come along. You know, TikTok has sort of taken over a lot of the video space on many levels. And 
there's going to be new iterations of what podcasting means, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I mean, back in the day, I remember in the early days, I would hear a lot of um, fiction podcasts, these serial stories, which was kind of like old fashioned radio when people would gather around the radio in the, you know, early part of the 20th century, you know, kind of like World War II era, a little bit after, and people would sit around the radio and listen to the shadow, you know, every week you'd wait for the shadow to come out. And I like that aspect of podcasting too. It's sort of like a gather around the fire type of thing. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to how we started this conversation actually around you talking about the human proclivity to tell stories and how oral traditions are important. And you tied it back to hunting and gathering and, and all the basics of the human condition. So see how I tied that together? Wow. (laughs) I wasn't planning that. That just sort of came out, but I like, I like how that all ties together and that aspect of storytelling. So I like to tell people that if they have a story to tell and they have something to communicate that, like you said, you don't worry about how many people are going to listen. You can't get too hung up on that. I mean, I look at my numbers, you know, I like to see big numbers, but you know, it takes time and everything takes time. And if you put off starting a podcast now, in a year, you could be like, oh man, I could have started a podcast a year ago. And I'd have, you know, I'd have several thousand listeners a week by now. Mm-hmm. So my message is always like, why, why wait? <laughs> yep. Well, I think uh, what you, what you're just discussing, and if you're not too, if you're not careful, you're going to flip some of my technology geek buttons and I'll, uh-huh. uh, and I'll start to, to talk about pod tech and, and advertising tech and, and where the industries outside of healthcare are going and how that influences what we can do and should be thinking about. Um, but really what you're talking about is attention. You're, mm-hmm. you're talking about getting people's attention. And yeah. the, the big thing, when we take a look at what's happening with privacy settings of different devices and companies and, and legislation that's coming out, like we have in California, we have in Europe that's starting to make things uh, hold, hold businesses to account and prevent some of the cookies and intrusions that on the one hand might be useful to remember that you didn't actually follow through on that purchase of that thing that you put into your bag on a different website. And now you're seeing an ad for it somewhere else, but it also can be quite intrusive. And we're seeing a, a trend towards decreasing their, their availability, which increases the importance of contextually relevant content. Mm-hmm. And that's where you and other podcasters like you are in a winning trajectory because People tune into the nurse podcast, the nurse Keith podcast, because of the type of content that you're that you're creating, and therefore they're opting in. They're opting into what you're saying, and then when you can put a contextually relevant ad into that content, you're actually not wasting the listener's time to get mm-hmm. through that Santa Fe grocery store commercial. You're actually supporting them to know about a training program, a book, another podcast they may want to mm-hmm. tune into that's aligned, but different to yours. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe it's at a different stage of their nursing journey. Um, what about an event or something else that they can do or something they can tell their, their patients about to help them do their job better. So you're actually really supporting 
those listeners with that contextually relevant ad. And that's where I think everyone wins. The listener mm-hmm. wins because they've opted in to listen to your episode, episode 384 with Dr. Wilcox, for example, um, and or, or this one. And, and then they're able to hear something that's relevant to their job. The advertiser wins because they've been able to then reach someone who's relevant to their story. You win because you've earned some money to help under uh, underwrite and fund your uh, activities here, which let's face it, it's uh, it, it's not exactly people don't get into this business for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and, and then obviously, when we start to, to leverage that through Health Podcast Network, then we can also win because we can help use some of the money from that ad revenue to help grow the listener base uh, and support the creators that are part of the network. So everybody wins in that scenario. I love that. <laughs> and um, I, I, love, I love being in the winner's circle with you, Dan. It's wonderful. And, you know, we do have to wind down, I'm afraid. And we'll have you back again. We'll, you know, we'll dig into more of this stuff down the road. But you may be aware that at the end of each episode these days, I ask four quick questions. So are you game to play a little bit with me? For Let's some... play. Okay. Let's go. They have to be a little concise, but you know, I'll let's work on see it. what we can do. Okay. So the first question is, how do you define success personally and or professionally? Uh, I define success as making an impact uh, through the things that I work on. And, and it doesn't have to have financial um, compensation tied to it. It's about the result. I believe the financial compensation will come if one can have an impact, but the priority for me is making an impact through my work. Nice. Okay. I feel similarly. Second one is, could you name, or if you don't want to name them, just describe one person in your life who's inspired you. They can be living or dead, famous or, or not famous at all. Uh, resilient. This, uh, I, I know there are two people who popped right into my mind. I won't name either one of them, uh, but I will tell you that they're resilient. They're thoughtful, they're empathetic. Uh, very um, sharp with their their uh, business acumen, but that all relates to their understanding of people and their desire to have an impact. So I really respect them as individuals. I respect their um, their personal lives and and how uh, these two individuals that sprung to mind right when you asked that question, how they uh, manifest. They're, they're being through their family relationships, their personal relationships, and their work relationships. Nice. Thank you. Okay. Number three, is there a book or a movie, not a podcast, Dan, a book or a movie, it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite, that's had a major impact on the way you think or the way you live your life? Um, this is a little bit old school, but right. I remember reading these books. Um, there were a few books where they, they, it was like how to win friends and influence people mm-hmm. and uh, how to stop worrying and start living and mm-hmm. those sorts of early old school uh, Dale Carnegie and uh, those, that sort of group of, of uh, writers from early 19, or early 20th century. Yeah. Um, and I remember reading them as a teenager. And now that I have teenagers or one that is and, and nearly one, um, I was thinking about those and how they began to shape my understanding of uh, relationships and service and, and impact. Um, so I, I don't remember all the titles, but I remember it was sort of in that genre that I just mentioned. Yeah, I read a lot of those too back in the, in the 80s, early 80s. I remember it seems so long ago. 
<laughs> Almost <laughs> That's when I was reading them too. Yeah, That's when I was yeah. reading. They must have gone through a renaissance then. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Last but not least, what's one piece of advice? And this is apropos of being the father of teenagers or near teenagers. What's one piece of advice you'd give your 18-year-old self right now, whether you think Dan would listen or not? Uh, I know what this is. Uh, I would take, I would suggest that people take lunch breaks. Um, There was a, there was another book actually, you know, I think about that was, uh, that's about how to never dine alone or something like that. I forget the exact title of it, but it's basically saying, you know, build those relationships, take time to sit down and break bread with people. And there's something ritualistic and, and uh, uh, about that and builds relationships. And I remember when I worked out in California, um, I worked a lot and I didn't take lunch breaks with my colleagues the way that I should have. And I think about all the relationships that, that were right there in close proximity that I didn't, uh, build like I, like I wish I had. So yeah, take, take lunch break, uh, take a lunch break and, and get to know the people around you and, uh, and build those relationships. And they're certainly going to pay rewards in multiple ways that can't be predicted. I like that. Once upon a time back and I think it was 2016, I had a gig in Seattle and I would spend one week a month in Seattle working at a tech company that ran some nursing websites. And one of the things I liked about this little tiny startup company who shall remain unnamed is that they paid for every single employee to have lunch every day. And they encouraged the employees to take each other out for lunch on the company um, in different configurations by twos, threes, sixes, eights, 10 people at a time. And it was really interesting. And I, I loved it because everyone was always, Hey, you want to come out to lunch? And that really feeds into what you just shared. So I really, I appreciate that one. Take a lunch break. And I don't want to go Dan, but we have to go. And I really, really, really appreciate you being here. I so appreciate being a member of the health podcast network from the early days and all your support and help in making the show better, which you have contributed to a lot. And we're going to have you back. And maybe when there's more health unmuted shows, we'll, we'll have you back to talk about them and people can go to healthpodcastnetwork.com. And they can also go to healthunmuted.com to find all of them in one fell swoop. So thank you so, so much. Yeah, they can also email me directly if any of your listeners want to get in touch. There's there's a, a, a lot that we can do through Health Unmuted and Health Podcast Network. And I welcome any of your listeners getting in touch at dan at missionbasedmedia.com. You can also use dan at healthunmuted.com. That all gets into the same uh, email address or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Twitter's Health Tech Dan. And uh, love what you're doing. Thank you very much for all the information that you're sharing and for giving me the opportunity to connect with you and your audience. Thanks, Dan. And all those links will be in the show notes too. So thank you so much again. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this awesome episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember to go to nursekeith.com for the drop-down menu and read all about Dan or just go to healthpodcastnetwork.com and healthunmuted.com. If you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your career, look no further than nursekeith.com. And remember, you can get 10% off your first coaching package if you mention the show. And please consider becoming a patron at Patreon. That would be super, super appreciated. The Nurse Keith Show is, of course, a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. 
And you can find all the other shows there that we were referencing during the course of this conversation. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. And Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote by poet and writer David White. One of the keys to any possible happiness in work must be the little self-knowledge it takes to know what we desire in life, how we're made, and how we belong to the rest of the world. So be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my friend and colleague Dan Kendall saying arrivederci from Kent, England. County Kent, England. Dan, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the good old proverbial flip side. Mm-hmm.